0: This is Parables of the Divorce CEO, where men have real and raw conversations about the pain, suffering, and loneliness of divorce. Welcome to this week's episode of Parables of the Divorce CEO. I am your host, Peter Avalon-Norster, the founder and creator of the Divorce CEO. And on this episode, Misery Loves Company. I just landed back in Toronto after 10 days in Denmark. I had spent 10 days cleaning up our house, cremating my mother, having the ceremony with the family, and now I was back. The plan had been to go there to finish the practical stuff and then come back in December and then bury her, or if we could spread her ashes over the sea. It was hard coming back. It was a difficult meeting with my wife. Seeing that I had... and knowing that I had asked her... to help and support me... going to Denmark and actually doing these things... and she had refused... And so when we met each other, it was with a slight distance. I couldn't really tell if she was happy to see me or not. She smiled and tried to be what I would consider strong. But I really didn't know. And because I was so lost in this whole daze of pain and despair and not knowing what to do next and who I was and what was the next best thing for me to do, I was just in this space of dead man walking, I would call it. And so it was easy for me to project onto her my loneliness and my pain and my discomfort And so I felt alone. I felt as I met a woman that I knew but who either me or her had created this gap, this bridge between us of what I consider to be more of a friendship than a marriage. And now All of this might be all in my head at this point, but that's how I thought. That was what I thought when I landed in Toronto. She picked me up, we went to dinner at her parents, and then we went home. I unpacked and I got ready for work the next day. And so there was a long period of time when I was going back to work to manage and run this gym and train athletes and quote-unquote, go back to normal. And yet my life was not normal. My life has ra- had radically changed. I had become somebody completely different. It's not easy losing somebody you love and then just turning that switch off of all of your emotions. It's like people, they just assume or think or maybe they believe that, well, it's over now. Now you can come back to normal. But that's not how it works. That's not how grief works. And so for the longest time, I tried my best to put on this facade and this mask of being this strong man that, okay, now I'm moving forward. My mom passed away. It's okay. I'm just, you know, moving forward. But just like I mentioned in the introduction that misery loves company, the challenge becomes that the pain, because if you don't, the pain grows if you don't look at it. The pain grows and amplifies if you don't accept it. And I was not in a place of acceptance. I was in a place of anger, contempt, and at times total fucking blind rage. And I would take all of this anger and rage and pain and I would spew it out on the people I love, which meant that I would spew it out on my wife. It wasn't her fault. It wasn't her fault my mom passed away. It wasn't her fault that I felt this pain. It wasn't her fault that my whole world seemed to have been falling apart just because my mom passed away. That wasn't her fault. She made a choice not to go with me. But that was a choice. I could blame her forever which I did, and this is where all the pain and all the anger came in, and this is why I felt justified to take out my rage on her. And I would at times unleash an emotional hell on her that she would not even be able to comprehend in the past, let alone me comprehend. I became the tyrant of the relationship. I became the absolute tyrant because I was in pain and I didn't know how to express it and I didn't know how to tell her that she had let me down and because of that she had hurt me deeper than anything ever before. And so I did what I knew best. I took out my rage on her and it would be so bad at times that she would end up getting afraid of me. Because as my rage kept building, I became darker and darker. And it was like this seductive power of darkness took over. And I just spewed hate, anger, and resentment, her. I was by no means a good husband at that time. And I was a horrible person to live with. I could see that today but back then I was on a mission and my mission was to cut her down because of what she did to me that was my belief I believed that she had done something to me instead of believing that she had done something for me and I justified my pain because of that I justified my rage towards her because of that and so for a whole year she was the victim of my rage she was the one who took in all of my anger and as i try to play this role of being the best husband but at the same time also not being a complete broken man I had about three days before I had to go back to Denmark, after I had been working, and, or at least I had tried to work, I was called into the office at work and they told me, Listen, we're very sorry about what happened to your mother, but you have not been fulfilling your duties here. You have not been doing what we pay you to do. And so we have to let you go. So, from one day to the next, I had this amazing job that was my dream job. And because I had allowed myself to drown in self pity and anger and hatred, now I lost that as well. So, three days before I had to go home and actually put my mother into the ground, I was fired. And at the time, I was furious because that was the only thing I knew how to express. I was a master of expressing anger and resentment and hatred and just pure fucking pain. I didn't know how to communicate what was under that because I didn't know. And because I was unwilling to look at what was underneath all of that, I kept myself in the space of, oh, they don't like me. And now they fired me. Fuck them. So I made it so that they were the villain. They were the bad guy, not me. Just like I had made my wife the villain for not going with me. We all have choices. We all make decisions in life. Some decisions are good. Some are perceived bad. Nonetheless, they're still decisions. And they're ours to make. You cannot force somebody to do something they don't want to do. You could, but then that is not a free choice all of a sudden. Then you're doing it just like a tyrant or a dictator. Forcing somebody to do something that you want them to do. And so I made my ex-coworkers my new enemy. And I went into another pit Of being a victim. Oh, poor me. Nobody likes me. It's so hard for me. I had this amazing job. See, this is exactly what happens, right? And then all of my stories about how my parents were right about, you know, me never becoming anything or my cousin's notion of me being the black sheep of the family, whatever it might have been, that story that started just spewing out of my head on autopilot. And then everybody around me became my fucking enemy. It was never my fault. It was always their fault. I refused to take any accountability or responsibility for any of the things that had happened in my life. You know why? Because accountability and looking yourself in the mirror is hard. Looking at that man in the eyes in in the mirror and saying, This is fucking on you. It's hard. And so what do we do? We lie. We live in denial and we pretend to be men that we are not. Knowing that underneath it all, that we had a fucking say in this. We made decisions. We had choices. But I refused to take any accountability. And so the world became my battleground and everybody became my enemy. And I again asked my wife, are you going to come with me to go and put my mother in the ground and finish off this whole chapter and move forward? And once more, she said no. And so again, she became the villain. Now she had moved from the small villain to the big villain. Because now she had proven to me that she didn't care about me. Because not only once but twice had she refused to do the one thing that I needed the most at the time. I didn't care about her reasons. I didn't care about why she couldn't do it. I just cared about me. And so again I left. And this time I landed in December and I stayed for all of December until... The beginning of January. And I left and I had no job. I had no idea what the fuck to do. I had no idea how we were going to pay rent. I had no idea how we were going to pay our bills. I just prayed and wished and hoped that somehow it would all work out. And one night when I was sitting at my aunt and uncle's house, I came up with the idea, oh, I could ask this person if they have a position for me. And so I sent him an email, and within 24 hours, I had a job starting in January when I landed at another gym. And so that was taken care of. And I could tell my wife, I got it. I ha- I figured it out. Don't worry about the money. you know I'm going to start working here. Boom. It's all taken care of. But I couldn't shake this whole feeling, this whole experience of being raised to be loyal to the people you love and being with the people you love, even in the worst of the worst. And I had done that many, many times in my life through my parents' divorce, through my grandparents' death. I had been there. So it was very, very hard for me to understand how my wife could refuse to support me and help me when I needed her. And so all of the thoughts had started. Is she the right person? Is she really the one for you? Is she? Is she? Is she? What if? What if? What if? All of those thoughts came up. And I remember I was sitting in Copenhagen and I was just thinking how amazing it would be to be with a woman that would actually just love me for who I am And be there and be loyal and support me in whatever fucking happened in my life. And I felt this incredible longing to have a woman like that in my life. This longing became an anchor. It became an emotional anchor that would spew... The biggest lies of my life into my mind and into my body and my emotions. Because the reality is that no relationship is perfect. There is no such thing. Every single relationship takes work. And the reality was that at the time, my wife and I were in a very bad place. So my entitlement and my belief systems about her doing for me what I would do for her was again on me. And yet I made her the villain of the story. Even to this day, I don't fully know and understand why she chose what she did. But what it gave me was the opportunity to look at myself in a different way. And ask myself, what do I want in a relationship? And the things that I was uncovering in my current marriage was not what I wanted. It was not what I needed. And so, sitting in Copenhagen for New Year's, I, I made a vow to myself to figure out what it is that I want in a woman. And what I want in a marriage. In a relationship. What is an, an non-negotiable for me? And what are things that I can work with? Where am I okay with things going one way, but I'm not okay with going a different way? Like what is it specifically that I want and how do I want it to look? And so for the next many years, that question became the driving force of what I wanted in a relationship. So grab your pen and your journal and here is my questions for you today. Number one, where in your life are you still blaming someone for something that happened years ago? Number two, what would happen if you would attack that story and look at what really happened from their perspective? And number three, who would you be if you let that story go and allowed yourself to be free of the past? That's all I got for you today. Love and light, you're away. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Parables of the Divorce CEO. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes and please share it with someone who may find the content valuable. Join my coaching program at thedivorceceo.com coaching.